welcome back to another episode of Guidepost in Motion, a podcast highlighting risk, compliance, and security professionals with insights meant to keep you, your business, and operations moving forward. My name is Angela Osborne, and I am the Associate Vice President of Risk and Emergency Management Solutions at Guidepost Solutions. I'm excited to welcome back my colleague, Sean Welford, for part two of our podcast, The Security Challenges of Returning to the Workplace. Sean, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me, Angela. In our last podcast, Sean and I talked about the security risks employers are experiencing and preparing for their employees to return to the workplace. We also talked about enhancement tools available to them and some new tools uh, to help ease employees back into that physical work environment. Uh, Today, Sean and I will discuss something we did touch upon in the last podcast, and that's the increase in anxiety levels for employees as they're contemplating transiting back into the workplace. Yeah, that's a definite issue. And uh, while employers might not have a lot of control, uh, you know, to assist and ensure that their employees are safe as they transit to and from the workplace, uh, there are some tactics and strategies that they can deploy to help put their employees' minds at ease. Exactly. And I know in our last podcast, we talked about the need for training. You know, for the past two years, many employees haven't actually engaged in any physical security training uh, related to their workplace. And I think one of the things I'm seeing a lot of my clients do and helping us uh, as well with this process is to create security training for employees to engage in before they come on site to the office. And this is a strong focus on transiting into the workplace. We've seen a huge uptick in carjacking situations. We've seen security threats on public transit. Um, Obviously, the increase in gas prices is a stress for for everyone right now. Um, So for the clients who I've seen be more successful in getting people to actually return, a lot of them are focusing on providing this electronic training before people um, come on site. I've seen the focus on situational awareness, uh, so being aware of your surroundings, which I think is really about 90% of the challenge here. As you mentioned, Sean, we can't really control the security environment necessarily where our uh, offices, our facilities are located, uh, but we can give people some additional tools to make them more aware of what's going on around them. Um, I have uh, one of our uh, clients uh, headquartered in New York City. Uh, They've engaged in the buddy system actually uh, to have employees who are coming from uh, different areas of the city, um, you know, find meeting places to converge and transit into the office together. So one thing I know from a statistical perspective uh, is your chances of being involved in a security threat are are actually much lower when we're talking about public transit if there is another person with you as well. So that, that adage of safety in numbers, I think, is really true here. We've also seen Uh, employers are looking at training for uh, employees who are using the parking garage facilities at their sites as well. Parking garages, traditionally significant security challenges for organizations. Um, You know, often we'll see camera coverage there, but, you know, really it's unlikely someone's actually monitoring each of those cameras in real time. Um, And certainly these can be spaces where opportunistic uh, criminals are there to break into vehicles or to mug people. Um, and this is an area, I think, of a considerable concern uh, for organizations 
you know, also making sure in general that we have uh, employers looking at their surroundings. We talked about conducting a risk assessment before employees come back on site. That's certainly something to be aware of here. Has there been an increase in uh, attacks in the parking garage that people use or increase in theft incidents? I think it's really something to be aware of because it adds to the concept of foreseeability, uh, which, you know, if, if we've had issues take place and the employer hasn't addressed it, that's a serious problem, could have some legal implications and just an implication for employee morale overall as well. Um, Sean, are there any other resources you can think of that employers can use for these situations? There are some technology solutions that can be valuable. Um, you know, something like a panic button app that they have on their uh, their work device um, that can alert the employer if there's an emergency situation and, and summon help. Uh, and another thing that kind of really can be uh, of great aid in the situa situ situational awareness arena um, is, you know, kind of uh, – software tools that allow monitoring of events, uh, whether those be uh, web-based tools that are, they're looking at, uh, you know, potential threats uh, on social media and whatnot, and then funneling that information in real time to the employees. Um, you know, they could mm. be kind of blindly walking into a protest situation or something as they traverse to the office and, uh, you know, getting them that information in real time that there's a potential threatening situation going on uh, so that they can divert around it can be very valuable as well. Absolutely. And I know a number of our uh, clients, particularly during um, some of the larger protest events that we saw um, in the prior summer, have used a lot of these systems uh, to some pretty good responses from employees uh, overall. Again, it's about increasing that situational awareness, giving employees the tools uh, to operate safely. But I think in the same regard, employers also have an obligation to look at the policies in place and the expectations for employees. Uh, for instance, offering employees flexibility uh, when they come back into the office, um, you know, kind of the days of the nine to five, uh, we know is not not really something that's reasonable uh, for most situations today, um, and it might be necessary for employees who maybe have significant concerns or maybe have long commutes on public transit to get home to try to focus employees on coming into the office during daylight hours so that they're not out um, in dark conditions trying to get home or trying to get into the office. Um, for a number of our healthcare clients. Um, certainly, we've seen an increase in offering security escorts, particularly for people heading uh, to their uh, parking garages or other off-site parking facilities. Um, you know, a lot of our um, clients in the healthcare system or, or even um, universities as well, um, they have large campuses, and sometimes the parking will be pretty far from the big main building where people are heading to. Um, so, providing um, transportation uh, through uh, vans, more security escorts to make sure that people are transiting safely. Also, I think checking the lighting on that route as well is important, not just from a security perspective, but also a safety perspective as well when we think about uh, vehicles and pedestrians. 
Yeah, I think a lot of this uh, also relates to, uh, you know, just education, um, that the employer is kind of educating and, and setting expectations around what the security protocols and measures are capable of and really what they're not capable of. You know, you mentioned earlier uh, having video surveillance capabilities in a parking garage situation. Um, while that is a pretty common approach, it's not universally true that th those cameras are being monitored. So from an employee standpoint, they may see that video system and think, oh, someone's watching to make sure that I'm safe. Uh, if something was to happen, that would summon help. When in fact, the video surveillance system is not being monitored and it's simply used as a documentation tool. So there would be uh, a video record of an event but it's going to do little to nothing to stop that event or summon assistance in the case of an incident. You, you raised a great point there, Sean. And we often see the knee-jerk reaction after an incident has taken place in a parking garage to add more cameras. And certainly that's beneficial, but at, you might have one person looking at all these cameras or perhaps no one looking at them in real time. And without any analytics to help identify when a situation has taken place, really the likelihood of someone being able to respond based just on video surveillance, I think is, is pretty unlikely. So I think your comment as far as, you know, evaluating people's expectations, making sure they're on the same page with what's feasible for the employer to provide is really important. You know, we talked a lot about uh, the concepts of morale, making people feel more comfortable returning to the workplace. Today, certainly uh, the trend of the great resignation continues. Um, and I'm just wondering, Sean, in your experience, have you seen safety or security um, offerings by the employer help to increase employees' resolve to continue with the organization? Has this played an impact, do you feel like, in the ability to retain employees for our clients? Yeah, Angela, as I mentioned in our uh, earlier podcast, um, one of the things that I do quite a bit is uh, you know, technology evaluations and uh, assessments for uh, clients looking at deploying new types of technology, security technologies. And I had a very uh, interesting project that uh, involved a, te a technology client, a, a high tech company, a software company that was looking at uh, creating a SOC, a security operation center, a centralized monitoring point. Uh, they currently did not have one. And part of that process involved Involved, uh, interviewing over 15 different uh, people at the company, and that ranged from you know facilities to security to HR, uh, legal, really quite a, a wide variety of team members that I chatted with. And one of the things that I found very interesting was uh, when I talked to the director of HR. Um, she was very receptive to the idea of creating a security operations center. And one of the things that she mentioned was that she felt that that would be a great recruitment tool for new talent. Um, and that the level of security at their company uh, kind of indicated the level of maturity of the company. And she felt that any security measure, especially something like a security operations center, um, would help in recruitment. That's an excellent point, Sean. And I know as we've looked across our K-12 clients, and particularly clients in healthcare, um, it really the concept of creating a safer environment is really important in retaining employees. Um, we've seen an uptick in violence across our healthcare clients in general, just with the types of cases that they're facing. And certainly 
Um, you and I both know the challenges faced by um, nurses and doctors, especially in emergency departments and places like this, of I, encountering uh, patients who are disruptive or even you know, patients' families. Um, and so important to be able to provide that reassurance that security is active, uh, that it's looking out for employees and trying to provide that guidance and support and certainly having a SOC as a hub operation for security to combine all these different security technology systems and integrate them in a way that it's actually feasible to provide greater situational awareness is so important. I think equally to that, when we talked about conducting a risk assessment of the physical environment uh, where uh, the employees are going to be working, uh, you know, the headquarters site or um, satellite offices. But I think another key point to think about is also evaluating the security of the route many employees are taking to get into the workplace. Um, you know, we have one uh, client that we work with in the D.C. area. We're actually a West Coast technology firm. They were setting up an office in D.C., and uh, they had an individual who liked to go uh, into the office very early, even during the pandemic, um, coming, transiting in from Union Station. And they were looking to set up a new office. And this employee raised concerns about the location that they had selected. And at first, you know, this team out on the West Coast said, we don't understand what the concern is. So they actually asked me, can you go take a look at this, this route? And as someone who's been through Union Station quite a bit, uh, you know, for work, um, I said, no problem. I went to go walk the route and uh, quickly identified what the challenge was. Uh, this facility, in order to walk from Union Station to their proposed office, you have to walk past a very large homeless encampment and past one of the central um, shelters in D.C. Um, and so this person was clearly concerned. Also, the walking path to get there was not well lit and really not set up for pedestrians. And so while they had this new office, and the developer promised them we're going to get new facilities here, restaurants, other amenities. Nothing had actually been added because everything stopped during the pandemic. So really, this area, while the building was very modern and new, and certainly the security inside was great, this person's transit into the office from a common hub was a huge security issue, actually. So I'm having a third party like me come in and say, I have concerns as well and validate that this person's raising significant concerns, I think really helped to retain this person moving forward um, and identify a different location for this client. Yeah, that's a great point, Angela. You know, that outside perspective um, can really, really be valuable. Uh, the internal security team, obviously, uh, you know, uh, is aware of their challenges, is aware of the uh, maybe shortcomings of some of the systems they might have. Uh, but, you know, again, they're dealing with kind of the same environment every day. And it can be easy to overlook things or, or to not see things in a way that, uh, you know, again, looking outside of the, uh, the building itself, uh, that commute issue, you know, not really looking at that in the same way. Um, an outside party, you know, can have very different ideas and solutions and be able to identify risks that uh, the internal team just may not be able to. And it really adds a, a lot to that process. I think in that regard to, um, you know, consultants often work with a lot of different types of clients in different sectors. And so we see what works and what doesn't work. 
And providing that benchmarking is so important for organizations. We talk about retaining employees. We talk about creating a safe environment. Um, I, I can't stress it enough. I found this a lot with our clients. A lot of the work that we do really is coming in to help people to benchmark, identify what's the appropriate level of security based on my risk, but also what are my peers doing? Because um, as you said, I think security and safety can play a really dramatic role in enticing people to stay in an organization. You want to stay in an organization where you feel like your safety is paramount, uh, that it is really the focus of the organization in addition to its mission. Well, um, some great uh, points raised today, Sean. I really appreciate the discussion. And we'd like to thank our listening audience for tuning in. For more information on safety and security solutions for returning to the workplace, please visit our website at guidepostsolutions.com where you'll find more solutions to keep you safe, keep your business safe, and keep your operations moving forward.